Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has. Uh, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club, an MC Hammer concert breaks out, too, so you never know what you're going to get. And if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there, you can schedule a private tour. Just call 850-644-1830. Tickets are available. It's a, it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there, and particularly if we get any of those noon, noon kickoffs, you'll be air-conditioned and ready to go. Well, that is a good point. I just, in general, I didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation, but I get your point. And the home schedule, of course, includes Miami, NC State, Louisville, Syracuse, uh, whatever it is, 644-1830, the number to call or, or, or go online, seminoles.com uh, slash tickets, and check out the Dunlap Champions Club. And we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast, and it's without commercial interruption. Is that how we say it? This being Front Row Knowles. Take it away. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. We have survived another ACC kickoff. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, how are you, sir? It was great, but it was a lonely, lonely, lonely drive home, Mr. Block. I know. I jetted out of town only to drive back to North Carolina the next day with the family. How was the vacay, by the way? Vacay was great. And before you ask why I would go from Charlotte back to Tallahassee, back to we were in the Highlands Cashers area. It's all about capital and how much you want to invest, and it was not... Or how much you want to spend. Or how much you want to spend, (laughs) yes, in this case. And I chose not to spend capital by uh, making it easier. So I'm sorry you had a lonely trip. Not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, It was was an interesting time, I guess we could say. Clemson is, as Jeff Cameron put it, Clemson is just, uh, what do you say, prancing, skating, whatever the term is. They're on cloud nine. They, and, they be the dog right now. Yeah, they are. But they, they've they earned it in Florida State. You know, it's all cyclical. Unfortunately, you don't know when the cycle is going to change. So I can't tell you when Florida State will be back. But I, but I will tell you, and this was just last night before I passed out, I'm just looking at Twitter, which is the only time I'd looked at it yesterday. And David Teal, who is we've we've had him on the show before and does as good a job covering the ACC as anybody. He is the he is the ACC insider. He wrote an article and the and the premise was, you know, the significance of Clemson arriving at this time and how it's helping the conference significantly is to try to get the ACC network off the ground. But he posited it against FSU in the '90s. So here you go. And this is a direct quote from his article. Clemson football is thirty-four and two versus its ACC rivals over the past four years. To match Florida State's 92-2000 to ownership of the league, all the Tigers need to do is win their next 36 conference games. End quote. <laughs> so I just put that out there. It wasn't an opinion. It was just a direct quote, and I linked his article. And there's been more traction on this than anything I've ever tweeted in my life because people are so ready for football. So you have the one half saying, uh, you know, well, Clemson's already won. Well, you don't have a big half saying this, but there's a few pointing out that Clemson's already won two titles and FSU only won two. And then you have all the FSU folks pointing out that Florida State dominated much more than just the conference, blah, blah, blah. It's just led to all this. The point was not to dis Clemson as much as it was just a remind. It was to me, I was here for the 90s. You were here for the 90s. We all remember what it was like. The 90s aren't coming back. I get it. But when you look at the numbers like that, it does really cement just how special a time that was. Well, if you'll remember the first 65, 70, I've I've forgotten, games that we did on Sunshine Network became Sun Sports. Yeah, FSU never lost. We never lost. Uh, In fact, uh, it it was amazing, uh, the streak that went on. And again... Coach Bowden's win record, the dynasty years, the 14 years of consecutive top five finishes, it's just doubtful whether you're going to see anything like that again. Well, and that's part of it, too. So Clemson's won 10 or more games eight years in a row. So they're still six shy of what FSU got to, but we're also in an era where last year they played 15 games, and FSU at the start of that run was playing 12 games a year and still winning double digits until it got to about 13. It never got to 14 or 15. Anyway, so... Do you see Clemson winning its next 36 conference games, Keith? You know, there's a part of me that wants to say yes. I mean, they have been that dominant. 
But statistically and from a probability standpoint, I just I can't see that happening. And certainly if it does, we're going to be moaning and groaning since we're in the same division as they are because uh, that would take, what, six games a year? That's another six years of this fun. No, eight, time. Game, eight games a year. Not in the in the conference, yeah, eight okay. games. You're right. I'm sorry. Eight right. games, but actually, they would. I guess their streak would count a ninth because you'd have to win the championship game now. So five years at a minimum. Yeah, but 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 so even if they go unbeaten the rest of the Trevor Lawrence era this year and next, so that's 18 more wins. They're still 18 shy. Have to break in a new quarterback, and I know he'll be a five star. Well, I think they already got him. It wasn't, wasn't they talking about that when we were up? I'm in? sure they do. Oh. But you still have to turn over personnel and 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 get a anyway. It, it, the the point is, I don't like to get in debates about would this, you know, would the 99, how would the 13 Knowles, and this is, I'm switching decades because this was out there last week, 13 Knowles versus 18 Clemson. Well, it's fun to debate, but really just it's a futile exercise. They're never going to play each other. They both were really good teams in their own right. FSU folks are always going to defend FSU, and Clemson folks are always going to defend Clemson. Um, but Clemson has been carrying the water for the league, and that that was evident lack, carrying the water for the league the last couple years. Hold your emails, FSU folks. I get it. I know what Florida State's done for the league from since, since its inception. But that was evident at ACC kickoff last Don't week. Don't you think it's interesting, though, and this is a much broader uh, topic, but um, you know, Clemson and Florida State are much more alike than they are not alike. And it isn't amazing that a school of that genre, you know, small town, dominated by the university um, in the south – um, you know, is dominating the, the the ACC, the Blue Blood Conference, if you will, uh, in the sport of football. I just, uh, you know, if you reflect on that and think about that a little bit, it, that's also interesting. Main rival is an SEC rival. Correct. So that would be another similarity between the two. The difference, well, there's, uh, yes, there are similarities. I think from a from a fan standpoint, the thing Clemson has that Florida State doesn't, that just about everybody does, is you're you're closer to more population you know you're closer to atlanta you're closer to greenville you're closer to charlotte i mean i don't know what the footprint looks like from a fan support now the opposite side of the coin would be you've got no players in south carolina relative to how many players are in florida so you got to go out of state to get everybody yeah although i you know you and i've had this conversation you get down around lakeland everything south of there is like a different not even a different state it's a different country so hey I, hey, I, hey I i'm from argument, south of lakeland i could make the argument that that they're still similar because <laughs> there's not that many great football players in north florida they're all down there i just thought it was interesting when when in, in light of david teal writing that article to, to just look at it and think about it and i you know i was at the virginia game the first ever acc loss i was not at the NC State loss where Winky threw all those picks but you know pretty much every game in the 90s I was of course Florida State didn't lose a home game in the 90s they went from wide right in 91 until Miami in 2001 but here's the bigger point the 90s aren't coming back nope but if you're Clemson nothing lasts forever and when FSU was on top that was the mind you never felt like the program would dip ever you just change out the personnel show up you're going to win 11 games and then the question becomes if you want to take it one step further if or when Clemson does back off a little bit who will replace them? Will it be Florida State? Will it be Miami? Everybody's high on Virginia right now. Can Virginia Tech regain their glory? I mean, it's it's not a shoe-in that Florida State will be the institution that replaces Clemson. In that, unlike in the early 90s, there's a lot more parity in this league than than we've ever seen in in prior times, in my opinion. Food for thought as we're in July and we're still over a month away from the season kicking off. But just more than a month. I mean, we're, we're creeping closer here. And speaking of the season, you know what goes on uh, on Friday nights for home games. Friday night block party. If you have not gone, I encourage you to do so. It's right at the end of uh, Madison Street. And what else is right at the end of Madison Street? That end would be Madison Social. And so that's a good place to uh, get a front row seat for said Friday night block party. Would agree. Anything else you'd like to talk about in this first thing? We've got a full show coming up, so I just, I just, I, I really was not planning to to go there. How about this? And I didn't even count you, up. You the, didn't give me a chance. Yeah. So answer your question. Answer my question. Go how, ahead. How rapidly has the respect for one Marvin Wilson accelerated from the end of last year to the beginning of this 2019 campaign? Yeah, he's engaging. He's fun to listen to, and people are noticing. That's where I was going to go next, though. I mean, you had he and Terry on the all-conference teams, and that's it. And I, I'm not getting into this. Clemson has basically its entire starting 
team on the all ACC teams. And I remember back in the nineties when Florida state was dominating the league at a more impressive rate for a longer time than Clemson did and beating people by more points over a number of years and still not getting the representation on the all ACC. I can remember Chuck Amato talking about Tobacco that. Tobacco road bias. That's Tobacco what I'm saying. Road bias. That's right. Has there been any videos released this week that don't include FSU? Bull, did you notice that they oh, sent yes, the updated I'm, one? Oh. <laughs> they sent an updated one, and they didn't point out that they had left some schools out. They just said, here's the full version. <laughs> here's the, here's the extended version. version. <laughs> Conveniently, by the way, it includes FSU. How about that? If you don't know what we're talking about. No, everybody knows. <laughs> that's just dumb. It's just – and it's not on ESPN. ESPN's got their editors. That That's not what they're focused on. They're focused on creative license. They're creating that for the entire conference. Every school has one. Somebody just ripped off a minute and 15 seconds of it and didn't bother on ESPN's side to look at which schools were representing. The ACC, on the other hand, in the, been vetted. in the same way that their conference website does not include only nine helmets and their conference media guide doesn't include just seven, needs to look at that and needs be proactive be on it. Needs it's that simple. Needs it's that simple. Needs to be vetted. All right. I like it. We're fired up today. There you go. Got an interesting show. We'll uh, reveal more of that right after this timeout. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. I promised it would uh, be an interesting addition because this is his uh, unique yeah, this is story. A great story. This is a great story coming up. And the one that I could liken it to most recently, I guess, and there'd be other examples, but we've talked about it. Javion Elliott's story of being out of football a couple years, showing up at FSU as a walk-on, earning a scholarship, becoming a starter, getting invited to Bucks camp, and basically making an NFL career out of it. Enough that Javion may have enough time in now that he's going to qualify for the pension. Anyway, it's a long-shot story. And now Florida State has another one. And some of you may have seen this story. ESPN's written it. The Democrats written about it. But uh, we're, we're going to talk to the gentleman involved as we welcome Austin Drugsma to the program. How are you, sir? What's going on? Doing uh, doing good. Happy so, to be here. Yeah, and we're it's it's a great story. So let me just let me just give the thumbnail to listeners who don't know, and then we'll we'll fill in some blanks. Uh, Austin was a star uh, in track and field at Florida State. Really excelled, a champion there. Uh, played football in high school, but hadn't played football in four or five years. And lo and behold, the Giants, the New York Giants, invited him to work out. Liked what they saw. Invited him to go to training camp. And so we're we're on the eve of training camp, are we not? As as we have this conversation, yep. do you get started tomorrow with the Giants? Yeah, we have. Uh, well, we as rookies, we actually reported back uh, Monday. So, I mean, we've been here for we've been up here in East Rutherford for a couple of days now, and just kind of, you know, get our feet wet and getting back into it. So, uh, but we'll be back with the vet tomorrow, and um, so ready to get after it. So let's go back to when you received a phone call. I don't recall the timing on it. But you hadn't played football since your high school days, and all of a sudden somebody calls and purports that they're with the New York Giants and wants you to come work out for them. I mean, walk us through what that experience was like, because I'm sure you didn't believe it was an actual real call at that time. No, I really didn't. It was uh, it was kind of wild. I, I had to do a lot of fact-checking and just kind of to make myself believe that what was happening was real. Um, I think it was mid mid late may and uh i was just having had just got done having lunch with a buddy of mine and i was driving back and i got a got a phone call and they said hi this is so-and-so with the new york giants and uh we were wondering if you'd be interested in coming up for rookie minicamp and i my first reaction was y'all know i didn't play football in college right (laughs) And and they say yeah no we're well aware all that good stuff and then um so then we talked a little bit more kind of asked how they got my number and just things like that and they said that they had got it 
from somebody in the uh, athletic training department. So I immediately make a beeline for the stadium for Doe Campbell, and I go, and I'm thinking, okay, well, it's the uh, head strength coach, Coach O. And because he's, he's one of the ones that has seen, like, my body of work and, like, kind of what I do in the weight room and things like that. And I figured that maybe he had said something during pro day or when there was scouts coming around or anything like that. And so I immediately kind of get in contact with him and I'm like, Hey, did you say anything or did you put me on with this? And he's like, no, I have, I have no idea, but I'll do some digging. So next day, uh, he calls me back and he's like, and it was, uh, one of our athletic, it was a head football athletic trainer that knew one of the strength coaches that is here with the Giants now got, is how my number got back to them. That's how that connection got made. Um, as far as them finding me goes, though, it, to my knowledge, it was a uh, some type of database where I was on there as uh, a listed as a guy that was highly recruited in high school but didn't play in college and i guess there's several i guess there's a bunch of other guys on there and that's that's a database that exists out there somewhere i'm gonna let keith jump i'm gonna let keith jump in but you're so you're talking about jake file was the trainer that that shared the number yes that's correct yeah okay go ahead kj i I was just gonna ask also for those that, that didn't follow closely where where did you go to high school and what is the story about how you got to florida state uh, the, I mean, yeah, quick little story on that is I went to Gulf Breeze High School over in uh, the Pensacola area, um, small little, relatively small little beach town. Um, and then I was a pretty highly recruited dual sport athlete there. I mean, I was pretty equally matched in my track and field abilities as I was in my football abilities on a national kind of a ranking scale. I was, you know, three-star number 16 guard in the country, and I was number, I don't know, 10 or 12 in the discus and probably 15 or 16 in the shot put. So I was I was pretty neck and neck as far as that goes. And, you know, I had gotten some interest in track and field, but I think because everybody kind of assumed that I was going to be going – and playing football somewhere that they didn't really heavily recruit me for track. So I ended up, um, once I made the decision to go for track and field down the road, I kind of had to shop myself around and call coaches. And, you know, I mean, I had, I had some more, I had some better offers from other schools, but at the end of the day, I mean, FSU was just just the best fit for me. And I mean, I, I wouldn't change a thing looking back on it we're talking with uh, austin drugsma who excelled in track and field uh at fsu as a shot putter placed fourth at the ncaa indoors seventh at the ncaa outdoors uh was here from 2013 to 2018 but didn't play football so so why did you select track and field over football coming out of high school uh you know there's there's a whole bunch of different reasons that kind of played into it and um I mean, I don't, I, we can sit and talk about it all day and I, I know y'all don't have time to do that, but, um, I mean, I think the main reason was just that, you know, I, at the end of the day, I, I really wanted to be at FSU and some things happened at a camp over the summer and I, I just didn't really feel, uh, the love that much from FSU anymore. And I kind of got my eyes open to, what it was really going to be like in college and, and that it is, that it is a business, you know, football in, in college is a business. And I don't think, I think that my 17 year old mind, you know, back then was like, yeah, I, I don't necessarily want to be a part of that. That was just not my mindset, my mentality, you know, at 17 years old. So I kind of felt like, and plus also I was really intrigued by, the fact that, you know, track and field realistically was a backup, was my secondary sport. So I was really interested in pursuing that full time and seeing what I could kind of achieve with that. And because I had never really put 
365 days a year into into that sport like I mainly did with football. Well, now as it turns out, you'll get a chance in both. So you you get this phone call, and what do you get? You get, you get 10 days or something to show up? You haven't played football in five years, and now you've got 10 days to go impress the Giants <laughs> at their minicamp. Uh, yeah. I, I I want you to tell us, you know, how you prepared, but for perspective, how many folks did they invite to their mini camp at that point, and how many actually are now invited to training camp? Just to give us some the numbers behind it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we had fifty three guys, or like the fifty fifty three guys at uh, mini camp at rookie mini camp. Invited. Well, we lost you. Sec- with that. We lost you for just a second there. I know you cut in oh. and out. So 53 guys invited, and how many now are, are moving on to training camp? I would say of those guys, I mean, draft picks and invite guys and undrafted free agents, I'd say there's probably 25, 25 or so okay. that are still here with us. Okay, and that includes draft picks too, obviously, as you mentioned. Yeah, so, so what did you do in 10 days? Just do a crash course on how to play offensive guard again? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Landon Dickerson, I, I basically, he's a good buddy of mine, and I basically called him up, and I was like, hey, man, I mean, you're, you're one guy that you've played everywhere on the line pretty much, other than with the exception of center, and this is what's going on. I need your help. <laughs> and he was, I mean, he was all gung ho about it. You know, he was, uh, he was still kind of, uh, nursing the ankle a little bit that he had had some, uh, surgery on. But I mean, so he wasn't always like helping me, like doing drills actively with me. And he was more of like a coaching role, but it was really nice to have somebody to work out with. So, I mean, it was he did an amazing job of like in the capacity of what he was able to do and in that short amount of time it, i mean i think we i think we made a lot of headway and and that ultimately is what got me the invite back to OTAs and also training camp so now austin one I mean, of the, one of the articles that tom showed me said that you have never attended an NFL game correct so the first NFL game that you witness personally, you may be participating in. <laughs> yeah, that's that's correct. It's uh, how wild is that? To think about. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's insane. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a wild concept, and you know, I don't know. I I didn't grow up near any uh, any NFL stadiums. You know, we had there in Pensacola. It's like we have the Jags are five hours away, Tampa six hours away, um, the Saints are four hours away. So, you know, it's it's not like a convenient weekend thing to do is just go to an NFL game like you would if you lived in lived closer to one of those cities where it might only be an hour drive. So, you know, I mean, I did spend a lot of time in Atlanta where, uh, but. I mean, I would mainly be there, and we would go to uh, baseball games in the spring. So, you know, that's – I mean, I've been to baseball games and hockey games and uh, a couple of basketball games, but, yeah, never never NFL games. Now, now have you been able to – Never panned out. Have you been able to control yourself, or are you one of the guys that are asking for autographs? (laughs) What's that? I said, have you been able to control yourself? Or are you asking for autographs in the locker room from people when you meet them? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm See, that's, that'd be me. That's why they'd kick me out in a hurry. I'd be like, can you sign this, please? Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, but to, to I, that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like it's, it's crazy because there are a lot of big name guys, you know, walking walking these halls. And it's, uh, it's tempting, but you, you really just, you kind of, especially as a, in my position, as far as like status goes, um, you really don't really want to be that guy. But how I mean, do- I'm sure that if it was a special circumstance or something like that, I'm sure the guys wouldn't mind. But you you really try to avoid it. Just in in my opinion, in my from like how I kind of approach the whole situation of like 
locker room etiquette and things like that. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. And I, I'm curious. So now that now that you're here, uh, or and, and that you're going to be in training camp, mm-hmm. how do you? you know is your mindset that you how do you get your mindset to be i belong they invited me and now i'm competing against guys that i mean literally have played football their whole life including college and several years in the league uh you know to try and make of an, enough of an impression that maybe you don't land on the roster but you land on the practice squad because they like what they see and think that you could develop in a year or two yeah yeah i mean it's it's, it's a tough thing to kind of wrap your head around because there is a lot of kind of internal battle going on of like man i just these guys are so far ahead of me like i don't know if i belong like i'm just trying to get this playbook down and i've got so many things to learn and i've got so many years to catch up on in such a short amount of time and really you just you just try to take it one day at a time and and understand that it's gonna come you know I, i mean at the end of the day like it's it's muscle memory and you know you do lose it over time but you can get it back. And, and I've got a great group of guys around me and I've got a great group of coaches that are, that are helping me and coaching me up really well. And, you know, I've had a lot of help from uh, other outside sources. Like, you know, me and Landon still talk and I'll, I'll, I'll shoot him some film or something like that. Or, uh, you know, I went and sat down with uh, a local guy over in Pensacola that played for the Packers and uh, Bears and the Dolphins. Uh, Josh Sitton and he he helped me you know he he was able to kind of I don't want to say dumb it down for me but he, he just really was able to help me understand the concepts and, and the blocking schemes a whole lot better and give me that one-on-one time that I that I kind of needed and it was it wasn't a long meeting that I met with him but in that short time he just put everything into perspective so much easier. And now when I sit down and we go over film and we go over plays and everything like that, I mean, just in the last couple of days of that, we've been installing some stuff. It's uh, it, it's night and day from OTAs to now. Yeah, I just, I understand what's going on on a completely different level than I did, you know, a month and a half ago. And so, but, and so it, it helps, ease that feeling of like that I don't belong because that's where it comes into play is it's like I don't understand so I don't belong well now I understand so now I feel more like I belong makes sense well it's an incredible story and uh, hopefully we're just in the first or second chapter of this and we certainly wish you the best of luck what uh, by the way when so when we're watching the Giants what what number what uniform number are you wearing 66 66 Austin Drugsma yeah. from FSU okay so you know the deal with offensive linemen the only time that they isolate the camera on you is for a holding or if you got beat and gave up a sack don't yep. be the don't be the guy that lets somebody get in on Eli Manning he looks pretty brittle these days you know what I'm saying <laughs> I don't know I mean I got a bit of a different perspective I see him out here every day and I mean you know I, I you know you hear the hype and or you hear all the smack talk on TV and online and things like that but I mean, just from firsthand experience and watching him and seeing, you know, the the future Hall of Famer that he is, you know, you see you see why he's that guy, and you see why um, I think he's, you know, I, I see I see what they what the hype is all about, and he, I mean, yeah, he's getting up there in years, and but you know, he's still a gunslinger at the end of the day, and so I mean. But, hey. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not trying to be on camera for giving up a sack. Or, <laughs> <laughs> hey, con- uh, congratulations to you again, and uh, best of luck. F- Noel Nation will be watching you, and uh, yeah, do, do big things. A- enjoy the ride because it's it's a unique experience. I hope you have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, it definitely is. All right, Austin Drugsm, appreciate it. He joined us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Keep that, I mean – you got any other story? I mean, I mentioned Javion Elliott, but, you know, no football for five years, and then... Well, you know, obviously... I'm, I'm sure that we're missing lots of people, but, I mean, it's a pretty well, unique story. Well, the one that comes to my mind is Jimmy Graham from Miami. Now, he played college basketball and then went into the NFL, uh, and I think there's been a couple of other basketball players maybe, but uh, I, I don't recall a track star 
And, of course, one of the reasons that the Giants are interested in him and one of the reasons that, that he has an opportunity is, is this whole thing called explosiveness, which you've obviously got to yeah. have in, in the shot and in, in, the, in the discus. And so his lower body and his ability to, as they call, twitch, his flexibility with his with his uh, hips, you know, all that. And plus he's 345 pounds, and I'm sure he can run fast in a straight line if or when called upon. Those meet the, the criteria from a physical standpoint. You heard him talk. He's yeah. a very bright individual. We knew that going in. He'll pick up on the on the – the, that just, part of it. It's just a great story, and if you're a Florida State fan, you just want to pull for him. You just want to say, go, go get it. Jimmy Graham's a good example. Uh, Antonio Gates with the Chargers is who you're thinking of in terms of – and uh, former FSU coach Tim Brewster is the one that helped move him from basketball and develop him into tight end. We'll see what happens if a track star can make it in football. I just – I think it would be – if he makes a practice squad even and collects a check for a year for doing this, just getting a random call, I mean, it's a crazy story. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. More of Front Row Knowles after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. We'll reopen that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we'll welcome a friend to the program, an old friend, Jason Dennard, who's been on probably about every year around this time. He is the uh, Associate Athletics Director for New Revenue Generation and Marketing, which is a mouthful and tough to fit on a business card, but pretty important in uh, this day and age, especially uh, with what's been going on at FSU over the last couple of years. J.D., how are you? I'm good. How you guys doing? Good. So we, Keith and I are, are uh, just back from the ACC kickoff, and as you know, because you were in Bristol a few weeks uh, ago, uh, a lot, all the talk is about ACC Network right now. So I, I, I'll leave it that, you know, there's some good news and bad news there. The good news is there are some deals in place, and and it looks like the network's going to launch in, in better position than maybe some had anticipated and maybe be ahead of even where the Pac-12 is now. But the bad news is we don't have a carriage deal in Tallahassee yet, so how are we going to fix that? Well, you know, the fans are going to be a big part of that. And, you know, if you think about it, Florida State's one of 15 fan bases in the league who have a lot of buying power. So – you know, if our fans or you know, for example, if you have Dish or if you have Comcast and you, you make your voice known by either calling, emailing, or one of my new favorites, because it's a public shaming of, of those cable providers, is to go on social media and tag them on your post and just let them know how much you want it. And, um, you know, you have options. You know, there's, there's options in Tallahassee outside of just the traditional means. Uh, of getting the network and you know frankly a lot of those options are cheaper than what you might have if you have dish or comcast currently but you know applying the pressure letting them know you want it that's important i mean not only because you want to watch the Knowles, but for us it's you know a big uh revenue stream for us as a department and a university and it helps us bring florida state to people from the far reaches outside of tallahassee as well J.D., talk a little bit. That That's the carriage side. It gets to the consumer. You, as Tom mentioned, you've been up in Bristol. You've been working with Seminole Productions here in, in, in Tallahassee for Florida State. You know what's going on in the other schools. Uh, is it a fair assessment to say that, that ESPN is pouring millions of dollars into this venture? Uh, they're behind it 100%. Yeah, I mean, we're getting their best shot. I think they learned a lot of lessons by going forward with when they did the Longhorn Network and even with the SEC Network, and they've taken a lot of the the best practices and some of the mistakes or that they might have made, and they've really put them all to good use here with us. And you're going to see a network that's going to be full of a lot of content, a lot of technology, and a lot of behind-the-scenes things. And, you know, this just it's going to be really good. It's, it's going to be more than just watching live events, although live events, going to be a big part of what they do but you know going up you know our our studio and our central nervous system for our network is in bristol and you know when we first asked that question you know would it make more sense to do it in charlotte and their answer was no we want it in bristol because we want to be able to borrow from all the espn talent 
all the bells and whistles and technology that are there on campus up there. And I got to tell you, it's very, very impressive up there what they've got and assembled on that campus. And we're going to have access to all of it on this network. And, you know, so from the top to the bottom, they're very much dialed in and invested in what we have going forward. And we're excited about it. And I think the fans will be too. Can you give us an update on where the ACC network is collectively in terms of carriage deals at this point understanding we're we're hoping that comcast comes into play and and i'll just add for the sake and and keith and i have beat this drum to death that that carriage deals always go down to the 11th hour to the end or they extend them you know there's extensions this week for fox sportsnet related to some some cable carriers but but where is the acc network overall you know i mean it's very healthy where it is currently with or without Dish or Comcast, I think we're very healthy. Um, if you if you look across in some of the other networks that were launched, there were many there weren't as many options to give it to fans. And so we have to get a full list of all the carriers. You can go to getaccn.com and put in your zip code, and it'll tell you all the carriers that are available in your area. But I think I'll just you know I'll, I'll give you a little bit of what I can tell you, and then leave you with a cliffhanger too. But um, I think you'll see that when all is said and done by the time of launch, we're going to have at least 30 million homes across the, the eastern seaboard from Miami all the way to Maine and, and all the way out west to Chicago. So there, there will be a lot of people who will be watching the network. Um, I think you'll see in the next coming week or two weeks, you'll see likely another significant carrier added on that we, we think is going to come on. Um, and then, you know, the ultimate one that we don't really know is what's going to happen with Comcast. But, you know, we hope that they will listen to the fans and the voices and the text messages and the emails and everything else that comes along with it. And they'll know that Florida State is passionate about the Knowles. And two of the first three football games will be on the network. Um, and then, you know, Florida State will be the first ever live event on the ACC network on the 25th of August when soccer takes on uh, Wisconsin. And that'll be right here in Tallahassee. And so we, we're going to be a big part of the network. We're going to have you know talent on the network that's tied to Florida State. You'll have Coach Bowden's legacy movie on the network, and you'll see some other programming coming out real soon that is you know specific to Florida State. But you know for that network to be successful – Florida State's going to be a big part of it, and uh, our fans are going to be a big part of that as well. All right, J.D., but dialing it back home, Florida State uh, kids are going to report in a week or so. Practice starts plus or minus the second or third, and we open in Jacksonville. Uh, a lot of momentum moving over there. It's uh, President Thrasher's hometown, uh, a game that four or five years ago uh, people were going, we really, really want this, and now with Coach Fisher leaving and Coach Taggart coming back, there's – you know, we, we got to get off to a good start. Tell us about uh, plans and things that are going over uh, west of us, or excuse me, east of us. Yeah, uh, we're we're excited to be kicking off the season over there in Jacksonville. Huge, huge Seminole fan base over there. Um, you know, it's a pro stadium. It's a pro-level experience in that stadium. There's going to be something for everybody over there on Friday night. There's plenty of things being programmed from the Jacksonville Seminole Club to some of the other events out in Sawgrass. And then there's some other events that are being put together in the downtown area. There's a concert that, that the, um, I believe Live Nation's putting on there at, at the Star Veterans Memorial um, that people can buy tickets to or go to. And then on game day, is, you know, we, we always want night games, and we got one to kick off the season against a, an opponent that's a top 25-level opponent. And the tailgating is going to be fantastic. Um we're doing a big tailgate there at the baseball ground where the jumbo shrimp play and marching chiefs, cheerleaders, a lot of, lot of Florida state dignitaries, former players. Um, and Tom, you might be uh, interested in knowing this too, but you know, we're trying to work on the potential of doing the pregame radio show there. Um, so a lot of things there. And then obviously the game itself, you know, when you walk in that stadium, the, the, the seats are all teal colored. But we were gonna we're gonna do our best to make them all turn garnet on that day. Um, field will be painted up Florida State like you'll see Osceo and Renegade over there. And you know when it's seven o'clock when Tommy is leather, we hope that uh, 
we leave no doubt in everybody's mind that Florida State's back. We're going to be here for a long time. What about when we get to the home schedule? It's no secret, J.D., that, you know, season ticket sales are not where anybody wants them. And, you know, there's reasons for that coming off the two seasons we've had. What's what's new? What's going to be different in terms of the home experience this year? What should fans be aware of? You know, we've, we're have we doing a deep audit right now on just the experience that people have when they come into Doe Campbell. And some of the things that we're working toward may not come into effect this fall, but by next year I think you'll see some significant level, you know, changes, which we're not really ready to go out publicly with yet, but we recognize the fans' um, decision they make when they come here is that, you know, it's, it's hot and there's some things that people want when they come into the stadium that we don't currently give. And, you know, we want to make sure comfort is a big part of that, but, you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, we, we still got to pack that stadium to the best of our abilities, create a home field, environment that no one wants to come in and play and uh you know the fans are going to be a big part of that we know that we're a big part of that too we got to take care of things on the field and we got to you know eliminate roadblocks for people that want to come and they want to be here and help them come and build memories that they'll be able to pass down for generation to generation and just i just believe you with the thought that we we hear the the things that the fans want we're working towards making those a reality well, one of those things, and we'll wrap things up here shortly, uh, you know, to try and make the, the fan experience special over the weekend has been the Friday night block parties that you, you've organized for several years now. I, any, uh, can, you, can you drop any, uh, you know, details on what's going on this fall? We will be announcing the lineup for the fall next week. Uh, a little later than normal, but we did that way this year because we were really trying to get some things ironed out to bring the best possible entertainment to, uh, to Tallahassee, and I think fans are going to be happy with that from the first one all the way to the one at the end. And uh, College Town is going to be the place to be, as usual, on Friday nights before football games in the fall. All right, Jason, we uh, we appreciate it as always. Uh, so give what's the website again for people? I mean, you can, as you said, you can just publicly shame Comcast if you want to on social media. That's one way to do it. But uh, how else can you have your voice heard? You can go to get accn.com for all the latest information all the newest when the carriers are listed as when they sign on to find out who's available in your area and it'll also you can also sign up for an uh, e-newsletter that'll send you information as it becomes available but www.getaccn.com all right jason denner from florida state athletics thanks as always jd thanks jd all right thanks guys all right appreciate it and uh it's busy season i mean it's it's almost August, Keith. Well, as you and I've talked, the the, the there's a, a I guess it's official, but uh, a consortium of smaller cable networks that are have just signed up. Uh, what was it? Somebody was telling us there's eight million subscribers in that block, and then the the next one, which is almost a shoe in, and I can never remember this name, and you will because you're smarter than I am. But the Carolina network. The charter, is that what yeah, it's called? I think it's charter. Yeah, you know they haven't signed yet, but they've been waiting to see what the other deals look like, so they've got a little better negotiating power because they have to sign <laughs> because you got what five uh, ACC schools, four or five ACC schools in Carolina, and obviously Tobacco Road is going to rule. Uh, that's about an eight million dollar addition, or eight million subscriber, and then of course Comcast is about sixteen, so sixteen and eight is 24 and they're already at 30 you know if those come to play the network would launch with over 50 million subscribers which i think everyone would agree uh would be a home run if that in fact happens and uh this is not espn's first rodeo by the way uh everybody was talking uh, uh in charlotte you know they've scheduled virginia fsu at virginia in week two well that's because florida week three rather and that's because week uh florida is Comcast's biggest state, and Virginia's number two. I've been told. Yeah. So they they oh, know they, how to they, play the leverage a little bit. They know what they're doing. The, the The agreement deal yesterday was with the consortium is NCTC, and I think it's looking at this. It's got eight hundred member operators across the country. It's basically rural, rural areas, smaller. Cable but the company. bigger thing there is eight million uh, subscribers. And again, we don't know what each subscriber is paying, but it's eight hundred times that number times 12 months of the year 
divided, I guess, by 16 because ESPN, or maybe it's no, divided by two because ESPN gets half, and then that number divided by 15 and split among the leagues. So something like that. It's not insignificant when you add 8 million homes. Because there's a lot of commas. That's the big key. There's a lot of commas. There is uh, not many commas left in this show, however. We'll, we'll crunch the numbers and see how much time we have, and we'll come up, finish things up right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Just a few minutes to go to wrap things up. Tom and KJ with you. Thanks to Austin Drugsman. and good luck to him. Uh, that story, number 66 with the Giants. Hopefully he sticks around. And, uh, you know, if they took a chance on him thinking they saw something there, that would lead you to indicate that maybe they're not going to judge him the same way as somebody that's played football. for. So there's, there might be a little bit more margin for error little, for him to make, wiggle a, room, to, as it were. Yeah, to make a practice squad. Yep. Also, thanks to Jason Dennard, who joined us uh, from Parts Unknown. As he was on, uh, he's on his family vacay and took a few minutes to join us there. Um, Curse to me, Keith. I, I ducked out, as you pointed out. Appreciate you letting the audience know that I left early from ACC kickoff last. And by week. the way, was that a smooth and comfortable ride to Charlotte in that Hobson Chevrolet Silverado? That was well done, and well, the vehicle was great. The driver was another story. Um, just kidding, KJ. I didn't go to the officiating seminar, which I like to go to. And I know you did, and you sat in the third row, and you had your yellow legal pad, and you took notes. So what did they explain, and how many of the videos of, of something being done wrong featured FSU players? Let's take a look at Sherbet Pass Interference, and here's Exhibit A, and it was Kyle Myers from last year. Here's what you won't believe. Not a single video. Well, so at least they were consistent. They didn't put FSU <laughs> in any videos there. So it wasn't just the promotional videos. They left us out of the, no, the naughty videos no. too, huh? Uh, the biggest change, and I haven't completed my uh, study of it, so so forgive me if I talk more macro than micro, but the biggest change will have to do with continuing to, to look at the targeting call. And in years past, every targeting call uh, gets reviewed by the uh, official upstairs. And they either say, yes, it was, or we can't determine, so the call on the field stands, or no, it wasn't. Well, they've now eliminated the call on the field stands. The replay official has to determine it was or it wasn't targeting by rule, and they have to make that call. Secondly, if you are called for, I believe, your third targeting call during the year. So they're going to keep track of who's got what. If you hit that third one throughout the year, you get an additional one-game suspension. And then the fourth one is an additional one game. So they're going That's to, the Trey Marshall rule is what they're going That for. probably is. Probably is. So there'll be uh, consistency in, in saying yes or no as opposed to being vague, and that'll be the replay official's call. And if you get multiple fouls, there's an opportunity for multiple suspensions, given the targeting issue. Now, the replay official does that in consultation with Greensboro? or if The way I understand it, the Greensboro has two officials at any one time, because there could be two or three games going on. Uh, the replay official in on site at the at the stadium in which the game is being played is in communication with one or both of those officials in Greensboro. The way I heard it is that the replay official at game site will ask for assistance when he needs it or the official in Greensboro when he says and he believes he's got something to contribute will will call. So there's not a formal process. They'll be in contact with each other. But if the game official thinks he's got it, he probably won't even ask Greensboro for help. Greensboro will only interject if they have strong opinion about what it should be one way or the other that that's a little convoluted but that's the way i understood it well you know where i stand on this so if you think the 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 reason this rule exists it's player safety but you're trying by suspending the guilty party you're trying to change the behavior and what you end up doing is penalizing the team delaying the game and all that i still think 
the league, if you're not going to do it universally, which college football doesn't because they don't have a commissioner, every league acts on their own, the league should vet it on Sunday. And instead of tossing a guy in the, in the second quarter or the third quarter, just sit down, look at them all for the week and determine, yes, that's targeting, he's out this week. And then let the team go into the week and just have it more uh, uniformly defined and interpreted, I guess. And, and I don't know that I But now as far as necessarily game, disagree with you. During the game, the downside of that would be that you might get flagged for 15 yards and later the league determine, no, it really wasn't, you shouldn't have. But that happens anyway. Well, the, 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 the foul stays the same. Uh, that, that, that's penalty what, yardage is the same. That's what I mean. It's just a question whether it's targeting or not. And I don't necessarily disagree with you, uh, but I, I do think that in, unless and until we get where a conference or the top five conferences are kind of carved out where they could literally have their own commissioner or their own group of governance, um, it's, it's, you know, you're continuing to just kind of put Band-Aids on it. And, and certainly this is a much – it's a better approach than last year because there was numerous times when the replay officials said, I don't know. And because it was called, you're ejected. Now they've got to determine yes or no. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be some uproar over that, depending on how and way uh, the way it works out. But they're continuing to move. Um, you know, as we've talked about all along, the targeting rule itself, in my opinion, still needs some tweaking. But this is an off year or an odd year. They can't make changes in this year. They could make changes will, in 2020. Right. What it needs is they need to be more proactive instead of reactive because, as we've talked about and we're out of time, people don't understand all the different ways that targeting can be triggered or enforced because they don't explain it enough. So they need a – in the same way – and this sounds redundant and then I'll wrap up. Anytime a college football game goes to overtime, they show you all the rules of overtime, even if you know them, but plenty of people don't. By the way, there's a change in overtime. Yes, there is. I don't remember what it is, but after the fourth fourth one – When you go to the fourth one, you get one play from the three-yard line. And you can't kick a field goal. And that's it. And that's it. Both teams will get a chance, but you won't start at the 25. You start at the three and you get one play. All right. We're out of time. Next time we do this show, it will be August. It will be the month in which football season starts for Florida State. And kicks off. Is that? No, today's the 24th. It won't be August, will it? Is today? Dang it. I was close. All right. We're done. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Talk to you next week.